You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Here we go. Jackson for his tight end, brought in by Mark Andrews, who escapes and goes all the way for the touchdown. Intercepted, picked up by Thomas. Earl Thomas with a foot race. Brown won't get him. That will be six. Running a little option. Jackson gates. Jackson breaks the tackle. He's right to the pylon, and it's a touchdown. Hello and welcome to another episode of Pop Like a Raven. I'm a little bit more upbeat this week, right off the top, because sports are slowly coming back. I watched way more of the German soccer league, the Bundesliga, this weekend than I ever have in my entire life, because that's the first team sport that's come back. I'm excited about sports, excited about the Ravens and football. I'm getting more confident that they may be back by early September, so I'm here to talk about it with my guys. First of all, on the East Coast, DC, home living, Tim Horsey. Yeah, man. I'm a big German football guy now. Huge German football guy. Love the Bundesliga. Always have. Up the Eagles. Eintracht Frankfurt is the team I'm following now until the Premier League comes back. Um, That was pretty nice to see. Uh, We don't have to. Obviously, this is not a soccer podcast, but it was weird seeing stuff. Um, And in my day job, this is what we've all been talking about. Weird seeing these games with no fans and kind of it seems like a scrimmage. But hey. Any little light at the end of this tunnel is, is, is good news. So, like you said, a little more upbeat today than, uh, than usual. And on the West Coast from L.A., Jace Evans. Jace, how's it going? It's going good, Antonio. I like uh, similar to Tim. I watched a little UFC last night. It was on ESPN. So I watched uh, they're still at Star Memorial's veteran Coliseum in Jacksonville, Florida. They put three shows on this week. So, um, you know, their headliner was the only bout I watched, but it was a good time. I have UFC, NASCAR's running, uh, back running this week of several races. 
So like you said, it seems like, cautiously optimistic, but it seems like we will in some way have football this fall. And I'm encouraged by that because uh, fans or no fans, it'll be fun to just watch the game. So <laughs> I don't want to offend the listener because I suppose NASCAR counts as a team <laughs> sport. Uh, they have a they have a, the pit crew. That's a team, right? So, but yeah, optimistic about sports. I'm not sure yet. I'm less optimistic or equal to last week or two weeks ago about when fans are going to be in the stadiums for the NFL games. I would still if I. We're going to be getting into gambling later, so like first line I'd love to review if I can find it is uh, whatever gambling line is set for fans being in the stands by like which week in the NFL. I think we do at least a month empty uh, and then slowly start letting people in, but that's a conversation for another week later uh, later in the summer. So we don't have too, too much to go over this week. A couple of Ravens, uh, very important uh, notes to go over. Uh, and then we're going to do a random Raven and then dive into sort of the first early stage gambling review for the upcoming season. Look at some over-unders for a bunch of different teams. Look at the Ravens, obviously, the other AFC North teams, and then some other maybe season-long prop bets that, that could intrigue us uh, that may involve Lamar Jackson probably a lot of different ways. But first, let's talk about the Ravens couple of little videos have come up basically this is pure quiet off season and everybody's most people earl thomas are at their own homes not really going out too much so hollywood brown look i i've been a fan since forever but i'm about one like workout video away from buying this guy's jersey i, I think both of you saw it but thoughts on uh, how hollywood is looking these days he looks huge <laughs> at least compared to uh what he did last year he's been uh Seemingly working out in his driveway has been pretty much what it appears he's been limited to. Maybe the backyard a little bit. But, uh, yeah, he's looking, uh, he's putting in the work clearly. And uh, I think I forgot about he just had a screw in his foot all last season. And it got taken out this offseason. So he's actually been able to kind of, despite the circumstances, train probably more normally than he even did going into his rookie year. So I'm very optimistic that he could have. A very big season, uh, just getting his body, you know, physically up to the size you need to be able to play at the NFL level. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. We, The biggest knock was if, he, you know, we made the joke many a time throughout the season, if he doesn't eat a cheeseburger or two, he's not going to play in this league. He's too small. I, I know how talented he is, but that was always a problem. I think people who didn't really follow the Ravens and just obviously more NFL guys or follow other teams don't realize the screws in the foot thing. I think that's going to make a huge difference uh, this season. And look, this is nothing but good news. It, it's it's hard to kind of calculate how much you should take out of it because clearly you don't want to hype yourself up too much about, wow, he's running without pads on and he's got a six-pack. Like this top top flight receiver in the NFL now, no question. Um, he's clearly the Ravens' want number one. I'm glad he's taking that seriously. Uh, there was a story that came out this past week as well that before the 2019 draft, when Hollywood got drafted, they te- the Ravens asked Lamar, who are the receivers you want, and we'll try and grab them. <laughs> he said, I want Hollywood Brown or Jerry Judy, or both. Obviously, they went and got Hollywood, couldn't get Jerry Judy in this year's draft. He's he's a close friend of Judy's. Um when Joe Flacco asked was asked what receiver he wanted, he said Tandon Doss. So a little a little <laughs> different quality in terms of 
you know, scouting talent, I guess, for Lamar Jackson. <laughs> yeah, but, talent evaluator. <laughs> but clearly a guy that the quarterback wanted, they went and got him, and it's showing. He's not only incredibly talented, but but has that drive and that edge that you look at, you know, the Ravens have had one of the biggest examples of that, of a guy like Ray Lewis, just always constantly motivated, constantly striving for just that little bit more, that little bit more, that little bit more. You have to have that mentality to play at the top level, and clearly he's got it, and it's showing. And this is a underrated storyline, I think, in the offseason for the Ravens, where it was we need pass rushers, we need interior line help, we need some middle linebacker help, we need some linebackers to wear numbers in the 50s, all these different things. And I think one of them might have been, how is he going to progress from year one to year two? And look, I I don't know how big the leap is going to be, but based on the work he's putting in in a very weird situation where he can't be practicing with teammates or anything like that, seems like that jump could be pretty big. Sorry, I'm just busy uh, putting the credit card number in to buy the jersey as you guys were talking (laughs) about that. It's very... Yeah, look, I agree with all of you. The whole thing about him, I feel like every few games he would like come out for a series and the thought was, oh, oh no, what <laughs> what happened to him this time? And a lot of it could have just been like, oh, that screw in my foot is extremely painful and sore right now. Uh, and that's gone. So I don't know what that's like at all, but very excited about the potential for Hollywood. Just imagine a Ravens wide receiver like be like going to the Pro Bowl. I, I don't really know how to <laughs> how to process that. Also, I was up on the uh, the like Baltimore Ravens record lists looking for the random Raven a few weeks ago, and I think Derek Mason is still the Ravens' all time leading uh, passing yards in terms of leader of the franchise, and that's not good because he came all, as a grizzled veteran when he joined the franchise. So yeah, I think he was thirty look- when he showed up. <laughs> Looking for an established wide receiver and hope it's Hollywood Brown. All right. On the on the other side of the spectrum, you're in the NFL, you gain weight, you leave the NFL apparently, and you lose a lot of weight. So Marshall Yanda, definitely not having second thoughts about retirement, definitely not coming back <laughs> this year. Yeah, the uh, Jameson Hensley from ESPN had a story, just, just real quick, but... Uh... Marshall Yanda's lost 60 pounds in three months, and it's basically been he's on a very, like, low-carb to no-carb kind of diet, a lot of tuna, he said, and just Peloton. Just been on the Peloton, riding his bike, and he's dropped 60 pounds in three months. He basically said it was like, you know, you have to have dedication to, like, kind of put on the weight and stay at the weight when you're an offensive lineman in the NFL, and uh, he said, basically, it's the same dedication to getting rid of the weight. And he had said some of the, uh, you know, he cleared 300 pounds by the time he retired. And he said that just put a lot of pressure on his, like, his joints his, and stuff. And, I mean, power to him. 60 pounds in three months is crazy. <laughs> That's a lot of weight to lose. I mean, he truly looks like, like, a different guy already. And he's just been retired since, he retired in January. It was the uh, last, didn't even officially retire, I believe, until March. So, it's been, like, uh... You know, just, it's crazy what he's done, but, yeah, like you said, he is not coming back to the Ravens, so they can (laughs) remove that from their minds, uh, and fully kind of move into the next era of Ravens football without Marshall Yanda, because that is not the body of a man coming back to play in the trenches this fall. (laughs) Yeah, the, the clip from the Pat McAfee show where he was interviewed, um... 
was wild. Uh, you know, and I think the the lack of a grizzly beard too. He was clean shaven, which really really threw me off. I mean, he looked like a twelve year old, and I would never say that to Marshall Yonda's face, uh, sixty pounds less or not. I mean, it was reported too afterward, like after the fact here, that he always kind of struggled to keep on weight. So I mean, good good for these these offensive linemen like this. Matt Burke kind of did the same thing. It's unhealthy to live at that weight for a long time. You do it to make a ton of money, and then ideally you shed it uh, when in your post career to hopefully live longer and live a healthier life. So really good for Yonda. He had some interesting answers too on that Pat McAfee interview. You can go take a listen to that. It's it's on social media. I just do a quick Google search um, about. Pat asked him the question that Antonio was talking about when we discussed Yonder retiring. Why are you leaving now? Your team is stacked. They're, the mo- they're one of the, if not the most talented roster in the league right now. And he said that it was a couple years ago when he had a bunch of major injuries and he had surgery after surgery. He kind of told himself, if uh, I think it was 2018, if I get hurt again, I'm retiring. He ended up not getting hurt again, and he came back for 2019, and the whole time kind of figured – all right, well, my contract's up, too. Like, this will probably be it. I'm just hoping to get out injury-free. And it was one of those things where he kept pointing back to that. And and he, it was like a total of, like, 12 to 15 surgeries he's had, and pretty major ones, too, where, you know, good on him. He finally said, I, I can't do this anymore. I need to I need to preserve, you know, my, my body, my health, all those things. So um, pretty interesting stuff there if you want to go take a listen to that as well. Yeah, I would it, – it is worth – checking out the interview that Yanda did just to see him. When I saw a screen grab of his, of him, basically, it was him, like, in his house doing a video conference, I with the, the headline of what the story was about, I thought it was a beat writer talking about <laughs> Yanda losing all that weight, and then I sort of did a double take and saw this, like, boyish smile from who we thought was the most rugged NFL player on the team, so check check it out. I mean, it's goals for for people trying to lose weight, trying to gain weight. I you know. how he did it in quarantine too. I mean, because boy, <laughs> good on I him. am packing on the pounds. I'm I'm actually I'm probably working out more days than I usually did, but with a lack of resources, albeit uh, two eight pound water jugs and a flimsy mat, probably not doing as much as I used to do. And it is showing. It, like we'll just put it this way: my hair is not the only thing gaining volume in the quarantine right now. So, credit to Marshall Yonda for being able to just shed it all. Maybe I, maybe I need to get one of them Pelotons and pack it into the shoebox that I live in. I like that you have the water jugs. At least I was gonna I sort of envision you with like the 1990s hardcover like NFL almanacs, just like doing the curls. Those to are those are the sitting on the bookshelf, going. so I could probably pull those out next. I don't know if that's more weight or less with 10 pounds. Maybe when you get, you know, when you bump up from the eight pounds to the 10 pounds, you break so out the many uh, reps, just so break many out the reps. books. <laughs> All right. Well, look, I had one other, uh, Raven note to bring up. I was scrolling Twitter. I, it must've been this morning and I guess I was still half asleep because a lot of the Twitter accounts that are related to putting out sports content have none of it. So they're just putting out a lot of old videos of stuff, and they're not saying that in the caption of the tweet. So I may or may not have seen a video this morning of Ravens running back Mark Ingram like running through one of those police dog training obstacle courses and just getting absolutely lit up by a police dog in training. And I was like, oh, that's something to talk about. That's pretty funny. 
that video's two years old. Like, that's not something that happened recently <laughs> at all. So glad I did the secondary research because that's, you know, that's just uh, being a journalist it was, right there. Uh, but captioned like, that dog got after him, like, yeah. crying ghost emoji Send face tweet, thing. and that's it, yeah. <laughs> With no sort of explanation of why you're posting a video from two years look, ago. Look, but, look, 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 all know. three of us work in content. Good on them. If you can find stuff and just repost it, fine. We're, like, the stuff we're doing on, on the channel at Sirius is, like, looking back in history at things or... Talking to famous commentators about their careers because there is nothing going on. So you know, I think I think that's fine. If, if they they duped Pod Like a Raven, but next time we'll do some, we'll do some fact checking. Still probably worth watching the video though because anybody getting hit by an attack dog, if you know everything's safe and it's a training exercise and stuff, is probably pretty funny. Yeah, my final note here: uh, our last Ravens bit. For this episode is Mark Ingram once got laid out by an attack dog. Go check out the video if you want to look at it. He was a little boy, not big boy. (laughs) Any other Ravens uh, notes you guys want to bring up besides sort of waiting for the offseason to be done with? Yeah, that pretty much. (laughs) Um, This offseason, I think is the the obviously the off season to end all off seasons because normally we're in a, a stretch where there's not actually much happening anyway in the NFL calendar. Like it would probably be rookie mini camps maybe happening right around now, but none of that's happening. So now it's it's like the the ultimate NFL off season. So as Tim said, people are scrounging for content. <laughs> I had a dream, uh I think it was last night that the Ravens drafty Prochet like caught a touchdown in a Ravens uniform, and that's not a joke. So, yeah, starved for sports, starved for the NFL, but I think it's going to end up being a sign of of big things for that guy in the coming year. All right, next up, we're going to cover uh, the random Raven for this week. And, uh, Jace, you are up, so who do you have for us? Got a good one from our favorite era of Ravens football that isn't the current one. Uh, This linebacker joined the Ravens in 2008 as an undrafted free agent out of Syracuse. He played six seasons in Baltimore, making 55 starts. Clue number three. He was a member of the 2012 Super Bowl team. However, he missed that playoff run after suffering a neck injury in a regular season game late in the year. Clue four. He would return seven games into the 2013 season, his last with Baltimore, before spending his final NFL season in 2014 with the New York Giants. Clue number five. He is currently a member of the Ravens' front office, serving in the personnel department as director of player engagement. And I have a bonus clue uh, related to his number, if you all are in need of it, either now or later. Well, I have a question before you say that. Director of player engagement? I don't... Not sure. (laughs) I tried... His link was not clickable on the Ravens' website, so I could not uh, exactly ascertain what that meant (laughs) i would love to be assistant to the director of player engagement and help this guy out and have an nfl position he's assistant to the regional manager (laughs) i would take that i would take that so So bonus clue jace uh bonus clue is numbers based uh his number 53 is currently worn by jihad ward this, got it. It's the college. That's just right, about right? it. I the, think the, the college is what I got right off the bat, which surprised me. And you know, see, I would have had no clue this guy went there. <laughs> and I think, and I think the only reason, 
we had a f- another random Raven, um, Zach Orr from months ago at this point, I think. And I remember thinking it was this guy until like a, a final clue. And then I couldn't get Zach Orr. I couldn't figure out who it was, even though they are in slightly different eras. But th- that is a good one because a significant <laughs> Raven like was a significant what? player for them for a couple of years. 55 starts like played way more than you think. Yeah, he played did. a lot for them. <laughs> And then another example, I mean, I don't want to get too, like, Ravens PR here, but it's good to have multiple examples of guys who have gotten hurt sort of in their primes that the Ravens have tried to bring home, basically, right. and, and offered them, like, jobs and roles to stay within the organization. So yeah, this man's... that's all I'm going to say. Kevin Byrne, you know, look me up if, uh, <laughs> if you want a, a position on the uh, assistant to the director of player engagement. I'm, I'm ready to go. Great PR voice for the team, but all right. Jace, that's a fantastic random Raven, and hopefully, I think one that may be a little more listener accessible than maybe some of the other names that we've done. So, listener, 55 starts. Come on, are you a Ravens fan or, or not? Uh, all right, so we'll answer that at the end of the show. Let's move on to the, the gambling section of this episode. Now, this is, we're in May. I had to look at what month it was before I said this. We're in May. <laughs> I guess. Uh, So we are months away still from our more serious predictions, uh, putting a little bit of money where our mouths are in terms of over-unders, because stuff is going to change as the summer happens, as we hear more about, you know, the coronavirus impact on the NFL season. Players are going to get hurt, starters, quarterbacks, and all this. Cam Newton's, I think, going to sign somewhere. That's going to change one of these lines. But we wanted to do sort of a first-look over-under at some teams that we could lock in the number now, by the way, if we wanted to. So basically, so what are some teams that whose over-under wins for the season look intriguing? Uh, and we can start with the Ravens. Uh, this, that's certainly the most relevant. And then we'll, uh, you know, we can go around the horn and, and pick out some teams that we really like. And then we'll make sure to cover, Tim, if you want to unplug for this, we'll cover the rest of the teams in the AFC North, including the Cincinnati Bengals, just for a second. Just a second, because we have to bring up uh, a low over underline with a number one overall quarterback, I feel like, just to see if there's some potential there. But let's start with the Ravens, whose line at the moment is 11.5 wins. I think a lot of people, if you ask them where would you put the Ravens, they'd say somewhere between 10 and 12 wins as a prediction. So this line makes a lot of sense. Thoughts on an early feeling on an over-under for the Ravens at 11.5? These guys in Vegas are good at what they do, because this is, like, right where, like you said, where it, you're like, it could be 11, it could be 12. I think I lean on the overside. I think I'm a Ravens going 12-4 and four guy. But it's such a fine line. Yeah. And... There's, a, there's a reason the house always wins, because <laughs> yes, they are incredibly very good, good at setting at these. these. I am on the other side. I'm on 11. Um, I think... I think Injuries aside, worst case scenario for this team, and God, it pains me saying this because it just means it's all going to come crumbling down in front of me. But I think worst case scenario for this team is like ten and six. Um, the other thing I find interesting too, and maybe you guys know this more than I do, we're, we're looking at Vegas Insider for these over underlines right now. Is eleven and a half being the highest line? We should say that the Ravens. Have, if you did, apologies. The Ravens have the highest line tied with the Kansas City Chiefs. 
And that that does change, Tim. Right. It depends where you look, obviously. But if it, but it's always the same. I've seen it almost always the same as Kansas City's. There have been some twelves, but in both instances where I saw twelves, Kansas City and the Ravens were both that right. My question is to both of you: eleven and a half being the highest total here for an over under seems low to me. Now, this is somebody who admittedly does not gamble at all, but I wonder if that's the uncertainty of how teams are going to respond coming out of the gate to this to this you know after this pandemic whenever it ends um or it's this is what they do and they kind of set them here and they just think that no teams are going to be like 14 and 2 this year i i don't think this is pandemic related i hate to say yet i mean the lines may change as we get closer and closer to the to the start of the season but Look, I think the highest we will see we've seen lines is in the like twelve to thirteen number. So that it's makes like really sense, one sure. win off. And if you look at the top teams and their quarterbacks, there are situations where the quarterback either has already gotten hurt because of the style of play, or he has unbelievably high potential <laughs> of getting hurt based on the style of play that he has. So I think the Chiefs number could be a win higher. But we saw Mahomes get hurt last year and miss four games. Like, that could easily happen again. And they're still going to have a dominant season, go to the playoffs, but the line is just slightly, you know, it's a game lower because of that. Same with the Ravens. The Patriots line would have been higher, but they no longer have Tom Brady at the helm. So I I think it's more of a case-by-case situation than sort of a league-wide shift down. And, And there's just so many veteran quarterbacks who've moved around there's so much. There's a lot of doubt from that about how good these guys are going to be, and so I think you see a lot of bunching, uh, sort of toward the middle about about wins for for a variety of teams. Yeah, that's that's very interesting. Um, in terms of a couple other teams too, I mean, Antonio, you can give your take on the Ravens here in a sec. I guess I'm I lean under. I'm the opposite of Jace, but when I say under, I think it's ten or eleven. Um, I'm just expecting regression from the incredible season they had last year, and regression because it was so good could be twelve and four. Um, so that could still hit over. Uh, just quickly scrolling through, I think I personally think the Saints should be tied up there with with the Chiefs and the Ravens. They play the NFC North and the AFC West this year, including teams like the Broncos and the Chargers and the Bears and the Lions. Like those are all attainable wins outside of their own division as well. With the Panthers, who I think they're, I think I mean clearly, I think they're better than every other team in that division. But they're really only going to be having battles with maybe Tampa Bay and I don't believe in Tampa as much as some other people do but we can get to that in a sec um and after that I mean again we mentioned it these guys are good at their job for a reason (laughs) there's not a ton of lines that I'm like whoa I can't believe that's crazy um I will throw one to Jace here because I know he wants to talk about it one that did kind of stick out to me but I'll let you run with this one Mr. Evans the Chicago Bears (laughs) at eight wins for your over under there with uh either Big blank Nick or Mitch Trubisky uh, under center? Yeah, this one is the one that stood out to me. Similar to what you said, that I thought maybe the Saints could raise a little, but 10's still, you know, double digits. But the Bears at 8 is definitely the one that seemed the most wrong to me. Now, I will admit, I've been wrong before. Um, But it... And the Bears did go 8-8 last year, we should say. And the the year before that, they were 12-4. and So there's talent there. But it seems like they're about to hit a reset um, on the franchise. Definitely, Mitch Trubisky does not seem like he's there 
in 2021. Uh, they did not pick up his fifth-year option, which has not typically boded well uh, for um, first-round quarterbacks uh, staying with their teams in the past. Uh, so I just think, like, they seem kind of ripe for an implosion. Uh, their division's quite good. I know you had said, um, the Packers number we, uh, had thought was a little low. Um, what are they? Nine? Yeah, nine wins. And they got the Vikings in the same division, also projected to have nine wins. I think one of the Vikings or Packers are going to have more than nine wins, uh, I think the Lions are marginally better than what their record was last year. So they play in a tough division, and I just think the defense is still quite good, but they can't do it all. And they regressed a little last year, and if they can't get back to 2018, it can be rough. And so eight seems a little optimistic. Yeah, and I I think the Vikings are good. I mean, make, make all the Kirk Cousins jokes you want. I think that's a good, solid football team with a good head coach. Um, one that I will point out, and it's not surprising that they're up here given um, Vegas knows people will bet on them because they are an incredibly popular team, probably the most popular team in the NFL. But the Cowboys with 10 wins. <laughs> I that <did> jump out. <laughs> don't know, man. I mean, that team, that whole division just screams like you're either really bad or you're 9-7. and seven. Um, And they've got a ton of talent. Clearly, the, the Cowboys do, but... Having the over-under, and I guess this is why maybe these are – I think these are low because they are a over-under type of bet. It's not predicting, you know, this team's going to get 13 wins, this team's going to get 14 wins, whatever it is. I think setting that at 10, that's – for me anyway, I think that's towards the upper end of how good the Cowboys could realistically be this year. So I would almost – imagine that being a little lower eight and a half nine maybe i don't know maybe i'm not giving the cowboys enough credit but i I think the eagles are good the other two teams in that division are trash so that could be four (laughs) wins there but you never know in the (laughs) nfc east um and they got to play the ravens and they got to play the steelers who are going to be way better and we'll talk about them in a second um but but as you were speaking about the bears i kind of did another scroll through here and the two that stand out to me the most are the two right next to each other new orleans at 10 should be higher dallas at 10 should be lower (laughs) I 100% agree with you, Tim. In terms of the the Ted Wynn groupings, the Dallas Cowboys were the team that <laughs> jumped off the page to me uh, as being like, well, we go. are the Cowboys going 11-5 with a new coach when they might not have a real offseason? They have talent, but they always had talent. They were talented last year, and they went 8-8. Eight eight, so <laughs> I don't know. Uh, well, that's uh, – Jace, I, I think that's the argument. Is is McCarthy a guy who can bring out that talent that's definitely there? Who I don't think any of us doubt that the Clapper was unable to bring <laughs> out the talent that was there, seemingly year after year after year. Uh, I I agree with you that ten's too high. I think they're gonna. I mean, they're gonna get close to it. Let's say you take the under on the Cowboys at ten. I think you're gonna be sweating when they have win eight and win nine, <laughs> uh, and then end up losing like the last three games of the season to finish nine and seven. And I believe they went ten and six when they won the division two years ago. So there's precedent for them getting to double digit wins recently. But I I just. I just worry about them. To Tim's point, they're the most public team probably in the entire NFL. <laughs> they're certainly the most popular. Uh, and that'll just, they can hit that number there because there's going to be so many people who are like, the boys are going back to the Super Bowl. It's been 25 years. It's our time. And right. 
They're going to get those people to hit that, that over 10. <laughs> so before we move to the AFC North, and yes, I am just delaying talking about the Cincinnati Bengals. We have to bring this one up because they're basically a division opponent at this point based on how much we hate them. The New England Patriots are at nine and a half wins. Jared Stidham is going to start at quarterback for the New England Patriots, it seems like. Unless they're just, you know, working with Cam under the table here and all of a sudden he's going to be playing on a one-year, $1 million deal because Belichick's a master negotiator, whatever it is. At the moment, as of when they put this out, they have the Patriots at nine and a half wins. Now, they also have the Bills at nine wins. They have the Dolphins at six wins, and then they have the New York Jets at seven. Which that's that's, I think I missed that one the first time. That's stupid high for the Jets, by the way. They are not a seven-win football team. I'm sorry, but what do we think that we should mention? The Tampa Bay Buccaneers are also at nine and a half. I think that's probably right around where they're at, if not a little lower, based on some of the guys they have on the schedule. What do we think about the Patriots, guys? Nine and a half wins. It's Belichick. I know we can never doubt Belichick, but it's also Jared Stidham at quarterback. Well, I think that's what they're doing, right? They're 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 playing it safe in case because a you can never doubt Belichick, and b I think maybe they know a cam things in the works. You know, these people are pretty plugged in. They're not just making these lines at random. <laughs> uh, they have information, um, but. Uh, it's hard to see a Jared Stidham team going 10-6, I'll admit. <laughs> but, and especially, they lost more defensive starters than you think. It was, I believe, four or five defensive starters they lost this offseason. So it is a Patriots team beyond Tom Brady in more of a reset than we've seen. I think it is just Vegas being afraid of setting this at 8 and then Belichick burning them with a 9-7 and seven campaign. I mean, he went 11-5 and five with Matt Castle, so I think that's the fear, right? They... They lived it once when Brady went down. Although that one was coming off a 16-0 season, so I bet the Pats over-under was probably like 13 and a half that year. Um, but uh, I think they're just worried that he can do a same Matt Castle thing again and go 11-5, and five. and so you have to mitigate that by setting it higher than you probably think, I guess. I love this under. <laughs> I'm, I, I, mean, I, can't, I guess I can't really like say it, say it on the air, but like... Somebody will be taking this under at nine, 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 nine and a half wins. Last year, Tom Brady did not look good. And they were 8-0, and we were talking all about it. This team was not that good. Tom Brady looked old. And they had this defense that was carrying this team week in, week out. They lost. Jace, that's your, the point that you made there, I think, is almost, almost the bigger point than losing Tom Brady. Obviously, that's the big departure, but... Jamie Collins, senior, led the team last season in tackles and sacks. He's no longer on the roster. Kyle Van Noy was sixth on the team in tackles and second on the team in sacks. He is also gone. They have lost gigantic pieces on the defensive side of the ball. They did not have a really good offense to start and have lost Tom Brady. I'm, I'm all, look. The schedule is a challenging one. They play the West this year. They play at C- uh, the uh, NFC West. Excuse me. They play at Seattle, home San Francisco, at LA. I think there's losses all over the schedule. I think a good year for them, given the circumstances, would be nine and seven. 
And with this line at nine and a half, nine and a half you're, I'm still comfortable taking it. They play the Ravens. That's a loss. I can't believe I'm going to say this, but I think there's a good chance the New England Patriots do not win their division this year um, because there's three teams, or there's a team, the Buffalo Bills at nine. That's another line. I just wanted to get that out quickly. The Buffalo Bills at nine, that seems like a tantalizing line. That, that was a good team last season that went to the playoffs that now has two games against the Patriots that are going to be significantly easier than they were the year before when they played them tough. Um, Patriots 9-7, and seven, Bills 10-6, and six, and that's how that, that division's going to end up, end up going. Yeah, I would thing. say quickly before we move on, I, I think the Patriots, like a line at 8.5 or 9 would probably scare me more. And who knows what Stidham is? I mean, look, Tom Brady was a sixth-round pick. Like, I, I don't want to hear any of that crap, to be completely <laughs> honest. Nine-and-a-half seems way too high. And, and Jace, I didn't even think – admittedly, did not think about your point and great point about the defensive players, too. Yeah, he's a mastermind. He can plug and play some guys. But they lost a lot of players, uh, significant pieces for that defense, too. I mean, you look at the depth chart, and, and I don't even recognize some of the names. Just wild uh, for a Patriots defense that was <laughs> supposed to be historic until they actually started playing real teams. Um, yeah, so I, I just I think that's too high if I were a gambling man, and I can confidently say I'm not. Um, I, I would still probably not take put anything on it. Because Belichick does scare me that much. I've been hurt too many times. I'm Michael Scott. I am ready to be hurt again. Um, but, you know, my initial reaction looking at that is that is that's a little too much we trust in the Patriots here. So that, that, that was my only thought there. Another team I feel like we have to address, albeit briefly, is the Tampa Bay, excuse me, <clears throat> the Tampa Bay Stop Buccaneers. <laughs> Their line also nine and a half, which just seems it's just so much fun that they put Brady and Belichick with the same exact number of wins this season and sort of the, the gauntlet has been thrown down as to who has a better season. What do you guys think of the Bucks at nine and a half? I I'm lower on the Bucks than a lot of people. Um Yeah, Bruce Arians loves to air it out, but Tom Brady didn't have an arm last year. Like he looked old. Uh, maybe he's rejuvenated. He's he's done, I think, more interviews during quarantine than he did in his entire Patriots career, it seems like. So he's all over the place now. He clearly has way more weapons. Um, the defense has some pieces. So, you know, th- there's the structure of a team there, and I've always kind of had a soft spot for the Bucks, um, dating back to childhood for whatever reason. But I don't – I think – I'll put it this way. I think they're more likely to go over nine and a half than than the Patriots, just based on what they have. But this whole they are one of the NFL's elite teams now. They are a Super Bowl contender. I think that's ridiculous. I think both teams are under fifty percent chance of hitting their overs, and I think, but I think the Bucks have a better chance than the Patriots. I feel like the Bucks have a nine and seven season written all over them, and that's why these guys are good at what they do. Again, uh, nine point five. They're trying to entice the the Tom Brady fans out there that exist and confuse me. But uh, the Bucks did go seven and nine last year. To Tim's point, there's a solid team there. That was despite their quarterback. Uh, throwing 30 interceptions and losing, you know, who knows how many fumbles as, as well. Um, but, uh, you know, 
is like Tom Brady's not going to turn the ball over and that will help them win more games. But I don't know, like he's not going to be able to throw it. He, his arm just isn't as strong as James Winston's arm is like, frankly, at this point in his career. Now he is obviously far more accurate on all the intermediate stuff. He can see middle linebackers who drop in coverage <laughs> in a way, perhaps Jameis could not pre LASIK. Um, but I, yeah, I, I'm with you all. I just am not high enough. I don't think Gronk, I mean, he wasn't that great. His There's a reason he retired from the Patriots in the first place, and it was because his body was beat up physically, and now he's been out of football for a year. So maybe it's rejuvenated him, but, you know, I don't think we're getting 2011 Rob Gronkowski out there, so I don't know how big of uh, impact he'll have. I mean, maybe more than the tight ends they had, but... Yeah, I just am so, 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 I guess, on the Bucks. Like, I think they're fine. I think it's, they're certainly more interesting than they've been in a long time. And I think even with the expanded playoff seeds, I think they could make the playoffs even at nine and seven, but it's just not that exciting. I don't know. I like, I'm not like, I, I can't say this is a 10 and six team just because they added Tom Brady. Like, I think they have to, that division's still pretty tough i mean and the falcons every year the falcons should be better than what their record shows uh the saints are the saints they should beat them twice so um yeah i i don't know i just think it's i think 10 and 6 is a big ask for this team especially given the lack of kind of an off season we're having and to have it all just coalesce immediately is i think gonna be hard and jace that's a great point that i want to bring up just for the NFL as a whole, where this has been a strange offseason with a lot of movement between big-name players from one team to the next. So if I'm going to, you know, if, if I'm looking at this in totality in terms of which teams jump out, a lot of this can just be which team has a really good foundation with a coach that's been there for a long time, with a system that hasn't changed Maybe they've made some improvements here and there at the margins, but no big, big changes to where I can I know exactly what I'm going to get from that team in September, as opposed to a team like Tampa Bay, where they could be really good. They could also just have not figured anything <laughs> out because they have no chemistry. First of all, Brady's not been throwing with the wide receivers. There's you know, and they start out slow and never really recover from that that first month of the NFL, which we know the percentages. Teams that start something as little as 0-2, the percentage of going to the postseason just drops off a cliff, which is insane to think about. But 0-3, you're basically done in terms of the postseason in the NFL. So look at the stability. That's sort of the, the lesson here with, with most things. Don't be uh, sort of wholly entertained by the potential flash. A few teams that I want to go over because of that very fact a couple of teams at nine wins out of the NFC, the Green Bay Packers and the Seattle Seahawks, two playoff teams from last year. Uh, the Packers won 13 games. The Seahawks won 11 games last year. I just don't see that much drop-off from either one of those teams. Um, they have the same foundation going into it. Rodgers may or may not be very, very <laughs> <laughs> pissed off and out to sort of prove himself this season. And, and sort of uh, try to get love traded to another team after one year. So I love those those lines at nine. And now I want to turn to the AFC North quickly. Uh, Steelers line 
nine and a half wins, the Browns eight wins, and the Bengals at five and a half. Thoughts on just any of the teams in the AFC North? I think we all get, uh, and we, when I say we, I mean the teams of the AFC North, their lines get helped a lot by the fact that we play the NFC East, which is <laughs> one of the weaker divisions in football right now, um, as we mentioned earlier. Um, you guys can talk about the Bengals. Cleveland going 500 is hilarious. Uh <laughs> I, I don't care about I don't care about the NFC East thing with Cleveland um, until they show me they won't just royally screw it up. I'm not going to have them going 500 or over. So I think that's an under. And the Steelers one is the interesting one because I think if Roethlisberger comes back, he doesn't he can't rehab at the facility. You know he's kind of stuck by himself. He is now 38 years old. He just turned 38. Uh, for a guy who all he does is take hits, he is not a guy who avoids contact. He pretty much just takes it on the chin and keeps moving, which you kind of have to respect him for, even if you dislike him as a Ravens fan, and you should. Um, if he comes back and he's any semblance of the old Roethlisberger, I think nine and a half is is right around it. Now, what's interesting again, I think this team is more likely, even with that, to go nine and seven than they are ten, ten and six. I think this line is a lot more complicated if it's like the eight and a half level because the defense is legit. We know that, and they have a decent a number of weapons uh, with Juju and James Conner, who's pretty good as a running back. The quarterback play was the only issue. So if that gets resolved, I think this is a very good football team who are going to challenge the Ravens for the division title. But again. I, I, I get it because maybe the wins might be inflated because of the NFC East if it all plays out like we think it does, which it inevitably will not. Nine and a half seems just a tad high, but I also think the Steelers could be a very good team this year. It, it's just another question mark, which is what we talk about. It's tough to place a bet or tough to make a prediction about a team that has a giant question mark at the most important position on the field. This line, I say it infuriates me just because it's so, again, exactly where I think the Steelers are going to end up. Like, I feel like they're also a 9-7 and seven team, and exactly for all the reasons Tim said. Like, I can't believe that Ben Roethlisberger will be the same Ben Roethlisberger when he comes back at 38 years old after blowing, basically blowing his elbow out, like, effectively. I, I just don't know. And with the offseason the way it is, without the normal, like... If this was a normal offseason, he would have been, since March, in the Steelers' practice facility every day with their medical team working on his arm. And he's just not able to do that. Uh, and so, that being said, I still think, a you know, 50%, 75% Ben Roethlisberger's probably better than the 14 and a half games we saw out of Mason Rudolph and uh, <laughs> Duck Hodges last year. But... I don't know that Roethlisberger is going to be able to really, really elevate them. But, like, to other Tim's other point, the defense is really good. The Steelers are really good. To your point, Antonio, few teams out... Well, even... Not even the Patriots anymore, now with Tom Brady gone. You could argue the Steelers have the most stability of any franchise in the NFL right now between Tomlin and Roethlisberger uh, still both being there. Um, but... With Roethlisberger's health, there's just too many question marks, and I it's hard to see him being great enough to get them to ten and six. I guess for me, yeah. You guys have said you guys have covered most of it with with Ben. 
we don't know if he can throw a 12-yard out at this stage, right. which is a little bit important for, for their style of offense, considering he throws the ball f- like 45 times a game, seemingly on average. <laughs> I love the Browns line being at eight. Everybody sort of calmed down that this is just not a very good franchise, even if they have good individual players. The Bengals at five and a half. This team won two games last year. I think if they went five and 11, they would get excellent grades in terms of improvement for the franchise. So that, that sort of seems like an under type situation for me in terms of my opinion on this team. They could improve greatly, still go five and 11 and still nail that under. Uh, and maybe try to build up with some more top draft picks and, and solidify that roster, which is in need of just serious, serious overhaul. Yeah, I know Tim's not going to partake in this particular point with us, but uh, the same, this the similar thought, it, it all depends on just how good Burrow is. If he's real good, could they go 6-10? and 10? Potentially. Uh, there, I do think they're members of, there are members of the Bengals roster's especially on offense, that they they shouldn't be quite as bad as their record was last year. They do have some talent there. If A.J. Green's back, their receiving core and running back uh, seem quite good. They're getting a first-round pick back to play on the offensive line that was hurt all last year in Jonah Williams. So they could be better. In the defense, you know, there's still a few guys there. Uh, Geno Atkins still around. Um, but, uh, um, <sighs> I just don't know if Burrow... Like, same thing for... Well, we don't know about Roethlisberger. We just don't know if Joe Burrow is good enough to make the Bengals from 2-14 and 14 to 6-10. and 10. So, I... Similarly, I think that's a safe under because I... It seems like the Bengals have 4-12 and 12 written all over them. Uh, but... Uh, we just don't... Yeah, like you said, we just don't know. Uh, and now to the Browns in case Tim actually wants to talk about uh, another AFC North team. They have the same thing with the just the lack of preparation. Kevin Stefanski, I don't even know if he's actually been in Ohio yet since the... Like, I don't know if he's had the chance to move. I remember seeing something he was doing off-season work from his home in Minnesota still uh, before he could take over the reins fully in Cleveland. So that seems like there's no way that doesn't put them behind the eight ball that the coach hasn't met any of his players yet in person. <laughs> so, but... Uh, I don't know. We'll we'll see. Uh, in a first time head coach at that, so eight eight and under that seems right to me. <laughs> and under on the eight, but uh, it's the Browns. I'm gonna vote, give them the under until they prove otherwise. <laughs> All right, so let's wrap up the team over unders, then we'll move on to some individual player prop bets, guys. I'm gonna ask you for three your three best over-under picks as, as a preliminary round here. I, I can go first if you guys want, just to give a little bit of time. I, I think it's those nine, those teams at nine, as I, as I talked about. The Patriots under nine and a half. Lock it in, and then they'll get Cam Newton and go 11 and five, so I can't <laughs> wait for that to happen. I'm going to take, I mean, I want to just bunch these teams together, but I think the Seahawks at nine is another line that, that is tasty as an over. That That's a playoff team uh, that had 11 wins, I believe, by week 15 last year and then lost a, a few games to end the season when they couldn't actually secure uh, first place in the NFC West. So I, I love, at the moment, Seattle at nine wins with an over. And I'm going to lock in the Ravens, 11 and a half, over. They went 14-2, and two. they had the MVP quarterback, let them regress, 
and let them play the weakest competition for, as of now, based on last season's numbers, I think those two things cancel out. Uh, and they go like 13-3, and three, and, and they're another top team in the playoffs. So those are my three. Ravens over, Patriots under, which is just going to be fun to root for also, and Seattle Seahawks over at 9 Yeah, minutes. you're doing the Patriots one because you just want to see them go 0-16 because it would be incredible. <laughs> um, is, is Belichick not who we thought he was? Uh, I don't want washed. to see them go 0-16 because then they're drafted Trevor Lawrence and are good for true, another 10 years. True, true. <laughs> I want them to go 8-8 eight and eight for the rest of time. Um, I My three here, I talked about the Saints already. I think the Saints, I might have them as the best team in the NFL, even over the Chiefs. Um, so to have them fourth on this list, uh, even under the, the Niners, you know, with Jimmy Garoppolo at quarterback, we didn't even talk about the Niners. They're at ten and a half wins. Um, I think the Saints with ten is is a slam dunk over. Personally, uh, you mentioned some of these teams at nine. I'm going to take one of them at nine. Sorry, Jace, for taking. And obviously, we can share opinions here. But uh, Packers, you guys all <laughs> mentioned it. I think there's two ways this could go. There could be a lot of discourse between coach and quarterback, and then maybe it crumbles a little bit. Rodgers seems like a pretty difficult guy to get along with anyway, and they still are always really good. They went 13-3 and last year, so over on nine. And then the one that I mentioned before that kind of took me by surprise mid-sentence was the New York Jets at seven. I think that is a slam dunk under. I don't believe in Sam Darnold. He's seeing ghosts. I don't understand why people think he is this great, and I'm not a scout or a talent evaluator or anything like that. But every time I watch Sam Darnold, it just doesn't look like it's there. And you can argue weapons, offensive line, all that stuff, and that's legitimate. Um, let's see. Because they've got they got Denzel Mims and they got uh, Becton from Louisville in the draft. They've upgraded the positions that they said they needed to with Darnold. It's kind of a show-me thing for the Jets. They also play both the NFC and AFC West this year. So on their schedule, along with the AFC East, They've got teams like the Super Bowl champions, the Kansas City T- Chiefs. They've got the Niners. They've got the Seattle Seahawks. They've got the Cardinals, who I think are going to be a kind of an up-and-coming, uh, to take you behind the curtain, as Jay said before a record, the best 7-9 and nine team in the NFL <laughs> this season, which I completely agree with, if not better. Um, so something tells me that the Jets are, are going to be – way worse than seven and nine i don't i don't see seven and nine out of that jets team so that is my three locks i've got jets under packers over and saints over as well we're close to lockstep tim i my three that i think are locks are saints over because i do not see a world in which the saints uh don't win at least 11 games i guess um Unless Drew Brees has lost it, and he didn't show that he did last year. He just, he got hurt, but he didn't, when he played, he looked pretty good to me. Um, so I'll go Saints over. I will similarly go Packers over. Nine just is too low for a team that is still pretty good. Uh, pretty good still. And <laughs> went 13-3. and three. That's a huge regression if they were to drop down to nine, so... I go Packers over, and then I'll circle back to the team I mentioned up at the top, the Chicago Bears under. I just think they might be one of the five or six worst teams in the NFL, and uh, 
It's just hard. It seems like everyone's on the verge of leaving. Matt Nagy, the GM, uh, (laughs) Mitch Trubisky. It seems like a clean sweep is happening. They have their first round picks back next year, finally. So, uh... I just don't see things going well for the Bears. That division's pretty solid. Um, the only other one we haven't mentioned, I kind of wanted to just... And I'm, it's a stay away because I could see them going drastically on both sides of this. Uh, the Houston Texans at 7.5. <laughs> uh, it's a team that's won the AFC South for the last five years and has Deshaun Watson. However, they have traded DeAndre uh, Hopkins... Uh, amongst other moves Bill O'Brien has done. Uh, they brought... You don't think Randall Cobb is the answer, uh, Jason? <laughs> well, they brought Brandon Cooks, too, right? I believe they, I believe they signed thing, him Jace. immediately. You don't think Brandon Cooks is the answer, Jason? I know. And they... It's a mess there. Yeah, and that's... that's absolutely... That's a great uh, great. <laughs> Pick but, Jace as a team that could go four and twelve and twelve and four. Yeah, and I wouldn't it would be surprised like, oh, if they go eleven right. and five and win that division again. Because <laughs> like, Deshaun Watson's that good. Um, but yeah, they could also yeah go four and twelve, and I'd be like, well, they traded DeAndre Hopkins. So <laughs> uh, I I agree with uh, some of those picks, guys. The New Orleans one is is tasty, um, but with a line at ten, you need them to lose five games. Or less, and I'm just looking through the schedule here. Two games against Tampa Bay, maybe they're good, Two right? Wins. That maybe that could be a split in theory. <laughs> uh, Green Bay, they have a game at home against Green Bay. They have a home game against the 49ers. Road against the Eagles, home against the Chiefs, and then home against the Vikings. So there's some <laughs> games there, but easy. a lot of them are at home. But they so get them all at home in the Superdome. Now, granted, fans, no fans, what have you, but. Even even without fans, the fact that he plays on turf, Drew Brees is way better on turf, and and that's that's the hot take. Artists are always like, well, maybe he's not that great because he's not a great outdoors. If he gets all of his ho- all most of his hard games, I should say, at home, I have full confidence in New Orleans Saints there. Let's turn now quickly to a couple of sort of fun player props. Really, the ones I have right now are, are Lamar Jackson based, <laughs> but they've sort of been debated already, so I wanted to get your guys' opinion quickly. Rushing yards, first of all, for Lamar Jackson, 999.5. That's the line. So does he rush for 1,000 yards next season? Does he rush for less than 1,000 yards? The passing yards number for Lamar, 3199.5. So just under 3,200. Last year, he had 3,127. So do you envision the passing yards going up and the rushing yards going down, which is something he sort of intimated already. Does, do things just stay the same? Will the Ravens never have uh, a, like a 4,500-yard passer ever? Uh, or, you know, or do both numbers go down? Do you see regression from Lamar Jackson and teams figuring him out? I don't know if this is a hot take, but give me an under on those rushing yards. I think whether it will be his choice or for the team, he took some monster shots last year. And while I do think he can withstand it uh, um, to a degree, he's, I think, a lot just bigger guy than I think people realize. 6'2", so close to 6'3", I think. Uh, You know, pretty strong. But you still do not want your QB just getting popped like he did some of those games. Yeah. and I think they'll probably pass a little more. I think they'll use lessons from the playoffs 
and try to pass more throughout the year. Um, so I think his rushing yards will be less. I do think he hits those passing yards benchmarks. And I think that his touchdowns, I, he'll have less than 36, I think, but I still think he'll get 27. Um, the line for that being 26 and a half, by the way, for passing touchdowns. So I, yeah, I just think they're going to try to protect him a little more, probably pass a little more. They put some investment in his offensive weapons in the draft and with Hollywood. We mentioned Hollywood, you know, coming back theoretically more healthy and uh, bigger, faster, stronger this year. Uh, so I think Lamar will just do a little less running now. I still think he'll get very close. Like, even if he gets, like, 900 rushing yards, that's still a ton for uh, a quarterback. <laughs> like, what he did last year was just so insane, 1,200 rushing yards. Like, that's it's hard to envision him just doing that again, I guess. And so that's why I just think he'll have less, and I think it'll be a concerted effort by the team to protect him a little Yeah, bit. I'm, I'm with you, Jace. Um, I also think, too, that there is a definite – teams will have some sort of plan for this now and it will have figured it out more you know it's the it's the batter seeing the pitcher twice through whatever it is and the adjustments they make off of that not saying I don't think people will necessarily be able to stop it because it's historic what they were what they did last season and that's the other thing it was historic what they did last year so I think some of that's going to be tempered um, and they're going to have to adjust their game plan so I'm going heavy on the under I also think this Ravens team is going to keep four running backs on the roster. I think they're going to keep Mark Ingram, J.K. Dobbins, Gus Bus Edwards, and Justice Hill. And I think all those guys are going to get touches in different ways, taking time, taking the ball out of Lamar's hands, but just distribute it to your weapons. So even in the rushing game, even if they rush as much as they did last year, I don't think he will be doing as much of it. But again, I think the scheme will change a little bit because they will have to counter what some people have adjusted to uh, on the other, on the defensive side of the ball, the over, I'm like, I'm right there. Like, can I push? Can he throw for half a yard and get three one nine nine point five? I think that's uh, to answer your question, Antonio. The Ravens will never have a forty five hundred yard passer. That's just never going to happen ever. Uh, don't expect it. Um, so I'm, I'm going to say a touch under. I think, especially with the team not being able to be together. Now I know a lot of continuity, which helps. They're not going to be this offensive juggernaut that they were last year, which is still weird to think about for a Ravens team. And then with TDs, uh, like like you said, he threw 36 last year, but the line now is 26 and a half. Yeah, screw it. Give me the over. Even if they're not the juggernaut <laughs> that they were last year, the historic juggernaut, he's still going to throw a bunch of TDs, a lot to Hollywood Brown, Devin Duvalne as well. Uh, Will Ville Sneed, I'm just going to keep doing terrible accents. So... Give me the over. You're a Bundesliga guy now. Big German football guy. <laughs> Big German football guy. You know that. Uh, I'm not going to try that one because I would butcher it. But, uh, yeah, I'll go slight under on passing yards, definite under on rushing yards, even if it is slight, and over on touchdowns. Why not? Yeah. Look, the the rushing yards at 1,000, I mean, for, for me personally, as a bet, it's a stay away because of the injury factor impacting the under so much. However, <laughs> the man rushed for 1,200 yards last season, so we're already working with sort of, it's 200 yards of sort of leeway there that he ha can lose and still cover. Number two, 
He did not play in the Steelers game, so he played 15 games as a starter, not 16, where he could have arguably gotten yet another 80 yards if we're looking at the averages. He did not play the fourth quarter of games against the Miami Dolphins, uh, against the Bengals, against the Texans, against the Rams. There were so many games where he came out in the fourth quarter because they were such blowout wins. If the team has this natural regression closer to a 12 and 4, closer to an 11 and 5, you bet he plays all those games because he probably has to. And if he is getting this much this many more snaps, is it just natural that these numbers can go up without it sort of being this crazy, you know, jump from expectations. If he plays full 16 games, four quarters for all those games, it, I, I think he goes over on the passing yards, on the rushing yards, and on the touchdowns. So that's sort of my little nugget there. It's terrifying because you, I, you know, you hate taking any of these overs with a quarterback when they can get injured. And I don't want to put any sort of negative juju on on Lamar Jackson this season. But if he has f- what four fifths of the season that he had last year, but plays the full season, he will probably still hit all these numbers as over. So. Something to look at. Something I got to stew over for the for the summer months, uh, and then make a more informed decision right around August when we figure out how many of these games are actually happening. Guys, any other thoughts on over unders, teams, players? My only. Otherwise, we'll get to the. Yeah, my only ahead, thing. Jim. Sorry, is that I did say earlier in this episode that I am no longer, a, or I'm no longer. I've never was. I should say a gambler. But this lack of sports and then it finally being back and it being something to do and maybe people have saved money because they're not going out to events and things like that. They're really only buying buying groceries at this point. I don't know. Some of these look pretty tasty. (laughs) That's all I'm saying. But outside of that, no, uh, nothing, nothing else. But again, the more we do this show, the more I just think I just desperately need this sport back in my life. German football can only sustain me for so long. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> all right well then let's just get to the uh the random raven that we have to answer and then we'll close this up all right the clues again this linebacker joined the ravens in 2008 as an undrafted free agent out of syracuse he played six seasons in baltimore making 55 starts he was a member of the 2012 super bowl team however he missed that playoff run after suffering a neck injury in a late season game against the washington redskins He would return seven games into the 2013 season, his last with Baltimore, before spending his final NFL season in 2014. The 34-year-old is currently a member of the Ravens' front office, serving in the personnel department as director of player engagement, and bonus clue, his number 53 is currently worn by Jihad Ward. Yeah, uh, it's no pomp and circumstance here. It's Jameel McClain. It is. Yes, it did. Good player. Uh, Good player for the Ravens for a long time. Or would seem Yeah, I, I I came I hadn't thought about him in a while. I had a different random Raven in the back of my mind that hasn't come up yet, so hopefully I can save him for our next go around here in a few weeks, uh, when it's my turn again. But uh I found myself just randomly on the Ravens front office website, uh and saw Jameel McLean listed there and I was like is that the same Jameel McClain? <laughs> and I did some research, and it was. So I was like, oh, he hasn't come up yet. And, uh, good player. Real quickly, guys, we haven't done this in a while, and I won't run through the whole thing, but the linebacker core for this random Ravens team is 
loaded. We've got Jamie Sharper in there. We've got Zach Orr tackling Machine in his heyday. We've got Elvis Doomerville getting sacks on the other end. We've got Adalius Thomas. Just put him at safety. We don't even need him at linebacker. we got Jameel McLean, and then we got a little Brendan Iambadejo to be your special teams guy. I mean, Courtney Upshaw there, too. I mean, he, he would be on the bench in this, in this team, but <laughs> linebacker core looking really strong for these random Ravens. It's a good team. This is a 3-4 uh, base. Sure. Absolutely. Defense Kelly team. Gregg in the middle. We've got him in there as well. I mean, just anchoring up front as the nose tackle. Uh, yeah, this great defense. We're built... Built, really building a really strong roster. It goes to show that, you know, the Ravens have been consistently good for a while now. <laughs> Jace, you mentioned having a few names to choose from this week. I'll be doing the Random Raven next week, and I have my guy already picked, uh, and I'm very excited. to. I couldn't believe we hadn't talked about him. And, Tim, you'll be thrilled to know he only played a few seasons for the Ravens <laughs> in his long career. So. As long as it's more than one, <laughs> I think just... maybe we'll be okay. <laughs> thrilled to bring, bring this guy up next week so that's the little hint there for the listeners all right that's gonna do it guys any last thoughts besides uh can't wait to get outside can't wait for more sports the 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 hockey maybe coming back maybe basketball maybe baseball who knows (laughs) sports maybe we'll be back to talk about all that and the ravens next week on pod like a raven for tim horsey and jace evans i'm antonio barbera thank you for listening We will see you next week. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.